0: This is Eye on Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots, brought to you by Mass Live.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Eye on Foxborough podcast. I'm Karen Garigian, and today I'm pleased to welcome Lance Zerline, an NFL draft analyst for NFL.com and one of the more prominent draft gurus in the country. Hi Lance, Uh, thanks for taking the time to come on the show.
0: Sure, no problem.
1: You recently posted your first mock draft. I read that you typically use team needs and rely more on your kind of prospect grades and evaluations to come up with how your first round shakes out. Uh, then as you progress, your mocks will reflect more of what you think the teams will do. Have you been doing it that way uh, all along or just th- think that that's kind of the best formula?
0: Well, I've been doing it that way pretty much all along. Um, I mean, it's a blend of what I i look. I still do what I think team. my mock draft is still based on what I think a team will do. Uh, but I do lean a little more heavily on my own personal grades early on with occasional differences um, along the way and I you know I can point those out in this this uh, first mock draft but for me mock drafts I mean I know fans get really fired up about it uh, angry or happy or whatever the case may be but for me they're just really just thought exercises I mean you you go through and you try to think like every like all 32 teams um, based on, maybe need based on maybe their draft history and how they typically uh, see players and draft players from a physical standpoint. So, you know, something like that. And uh, once you make the pick, you move on to the next team. And, you know, if you don't go in with any preconceived notions of what you're going to do with a team and with the player, it really opens you up to several contingencies and uh, and really creates some interesting uh, it really becomes an interesting process of what is possible uh, on on the actual draft day. I think that's the best way to do it.
1: Yeah, I, I do them myself, uh, but not. I don't spend quite the a, a same amount of time doing exhaustive study and research. I do look at the teams and their needs, and I try and match up players. But beyond that, I, I try not to sweat it too much uh, because it's – I, I guess I'm typically wrong
0: all the time. <laughs> Everybody is. Don't feel bad about it. It's hard to be right on mock drafts. I mean, it's it's really frankly impossible. It's you know once you have a once you have a pick uh, or a trade that people don't expect, it can really Mess alter the face of yeah. It really alters the face mm-hmm. of of how the draft is going to un- unravel, um, especially when there's multiple trades inside the top ten.
1: Yeah. I I mean, if if you start out and miss like the top three, you're like, you're gone. You're, you're done. Basically. Obviously uh, there's been quite a bit of buzz in new England, given they have the number three pick overall in your first mock. I was fascinated. Uh, You have them taking Marvin Harrison jr. And in the number three spot and uh, have no fear they will still get a quarterback you have them trading in back into the first round to take Bo Nix uh can you walk us through how you arrived at that
0: well yeah the first one was actually fairly easy um but I so I guess I better tell people what the first two picks are I had Caleb Williams Bears and then I had Jaden uh I had Jaden Daniels from LSU going second to Washington um, mm-hmm. I do not have Drake May going there and so I think what happens is New England is going to be faced with potentially deciding between, you know, what their grade is on the third quarterback that would be available still on the board. I mean, obviously the first two would be gone, and, and you never know if New England New, if New England has a grade on the top quarterback that is there at number three. I would assume they would take him. Uh, if may, let's just say, for example. Let's say they had it graded like I do, and they had number one was uh, Caleb Williams, and number two was Jaden Daniels in any order. Let's say that was one and two for them, and yep. maybe they're not as high on on Drake May. Well, what would happen is now you would you'd be you'd be challenged with: Do you take the guy who is your third best quarterback on your own board, or do you take a player who might be the first best player on the board completely? And Marvin Harrison Jr. So it's not like the Patriots are are one or two players away. I mean, they need playmakers, they need quarterback, they need speed. They's there's they're in a rebuild now. So you you can look at this differently. You're now in a process, you're in the middle of a process of rebuilding what was one of the great runs in the history of sports with the Patriots. But but after you clean all this out you have to restack in a variety of places. And I don't think you're a quarterback away. So there's no real reason to reach on a quarterback uh, like you kind of did in some ways with Mac Jones, maybe. There's no reason to reach on quarterback at number three if you if you don't really, really buy into the player and have a high grade because you have the guy who may be the best player in the draft of Marvin Harrison sitting right there. And I can tell you, Elliot Wolf uh, is – a big believer or or I know green Bay was his dad was and finding the best, you know, finding best players, go get good players to put on your roster and don't worry about the positions because good players uh, help you win championships. So uh, my decision was pretty easy. If it's the third quarterback on new England's board versus Marvin Harrison, that's a no brainer to me. Go get the best player because you're not one player away.
1: Plus I guess you're also telling me if, if, it's the their third rated quarterback and number three, isn't too far off from four or five or six, or they don't grade them that much differently. You go with the best player there and then yeah. come back to get one of the, you know, quarterbacks you sort of have at the next level
0: beyond. If you want to, or you wait until the next year or you, you know, who knows what they'll do via free agency, who knows what they, you know, they could potentially trade for a player, but I just know this, um, you don't have to get a quarterback in every single, just because you need a quarterback, it doesn't mean you reach for a quarterback in that year. The Houston Texans were faced with that situation. And, you know, I mean, frankly, they had given some first round picks away, but they knew they needed a quarterback and they just had to sit and wait. Uh, they had to sit and wait on it. I know Chris Ballard has waited on quarterback in Indianapolis until, you know, he was inside the top four and then, decided to go with Anthony Richardson and we'll see how that pans out but you have to really believe in a quarterback because if you take a guy that you don't really believe in um and you stick him in it whether it's the 3rd pick or the 23rd pick that that guy is going to the clock is ticking on your job once you draft a quarterback because you got to develop him and then you're stuck with that quarterback for a minimum of 3 years from you know uh from a I guess from a developmental standpoint Many in many cases, four years, and in some Mm -hmm. cases, five years. And so, you know, you just kind of get stuck with a guy you may not love. So I think that the Patriots are actually in a, you know, if you need quarterback, it's not the worst thing in the world to be kind of a not very good roster right now because you really aren't, the fans want you to do something right away and make a move right away and get a quarterback right away. But a smart team understands that, it really doesn't work that way. You got to find the right guy, and until then, there are there are a lot of other pieces needed for playing winning football. And uh, I think that's you know that's really the key. And we can see that. You know, Brock Purdy was not a a superstar quarterback. Um, there's there's any number of quarterbacks that we could point to. Of course, Tom Brady, but that's you know he's he since then he's become an unbelievable talent. But you can still win with the Kirk Cousins of the world. I mean, it's just a matter of of uh how how do you see building the entire unit you cannot get hyper focused on only quarterback or you miss out on good football players
1: in that first mock you have five quarterbacks coming off the board um is the is the class that good or is it just that you know the needs a lot uh, match up with the quarterbacks
0: well I mean it's both I think it's not it's not a bad year uh quarterback I think you know, two of the most talented the, – the two guys with the best traits are Drake May and Caleb Williams, and they had, frankly, of the five quarterbacks that you're talking about, they had, you know, maybe the <laughs> – I don't know, two of, the, two of the most inconsistent seasons on tape. May was the most inconsistent, but Caleb Williams was fairly inconsistent as well. So, great talent, but they have some things to work through. I thought Bo Nix had a really good season in Oregon. I liked a lot of what I saw on tape. He's improved a great deal from his time over at um, over at uh, um, Auburn, but I am a little bit concerned with how he played at the Senior Bowl. So, that's you know that's something that will be for teams to discuss. How much do you weigh, you know, Senior Bowl practices? Versus what you saw at Oregon. I throw out what I saw at Auburn. I don't really care. He's a different player now. So I don't, I don't worry about, you know, how he played at Auburn because it wasn't, it wasn't great. But I thought Michael Penix was very average at Indiana. And of course, he played much, much better at Washington. But I don't have him in the first round because of uh, some injury concerns. I do think JJ McCarthy is really the wild card in this year's draft. Could end up being the third quarterback off the board. Uh, I've got him going 12 to, to Denver yeah I just just have a feeling that Sean Payton will see him as a you know as maybe the next Drew Brees for him a quick processor who can deliver the ball with some accuracy so um Drake May and and J.J. McCarthy those are the two wild cards and then I think you know the question's going to be will Bo Nix go in the first round I don't think Michael Penix will
1: Is it hard to gauge how much, I I mean, you know, I read Bo Nix didn't have the best senior bowl. I know you were there. Michael Penix was okay, but not great. And then didn't play in the game. Can their stock really drop because of that? Do you think?
0: Well, I think that, uh, so I don't know about Penix. I mean, for me, Penix is, he is what he is. I think Bo Nix is the one who's the curious, the curious case here because You have three years at Auburn that were underwhelming. You had two years. You have one year at Oregon that was pretty good, and then this year was very good. He was accurate, showed great. um, You know, is is an athletic quarterback has really good arm talent, Uh, but it is you know a system that 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 covers up some things for you. But I thought he played. He transcended his his system when I watched him on tape. Then you get to the combine. uh, You get to the Senior Bowl, and you start seeing some throws that should be, even though the heat is on. You know, you still need to be accurate in, on an eight-yard throw, uh, that's that's not outside the numbers. So he had trouble with some of those, through the ball at the guy's feet sometimes, was was under throwing some passes. So yeah, it concerned me. I mean, could it stock drop? I think some of the goodwill he built up from the 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 film study can be maybe clouded by you know, your secondary concerns about what you've seen in the past from him and whether or not he can operate outside of the Oregon offense. So yeah, I think I think the senior bowl could have hurt him a little bit. And, you know, both guys I think now need to throw the ball with good accuracy at the combine.
1: In your in your view, having looked at just about all these prospects, who who in your mind is the absolute best Player in the draft, that the can't miss prospect of all of them.
0: Well, so that's a that's a tough one. I mean, that's almost two different questions because, you know, I, I, in a weird way, I think there's a, a guy named Graham Barton who's an offensive lineman out of Duke, who I think is one of the safest players in the draft. But he's not going to be a top, you know, top ten, top fifteen player. But I think he's really, really safe in terms of the best. I think the guys will end up being the best players. I do think Jaden Daniels has an opportunity, the quarterback from uh, uh, LSU from LSU. But I would say the two best for me at the top of my board personally are two wide receivers in in Malik Neighbors out of LSU and Marvin uh, Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State. I think Marvin's a pretty safe player. I think uh, Malik Neighbors may be the more explosive athlete, but but you know, both of them to me have a chance to become the very best players in this draft, without question. Yeah, Malik's uh, they're both from LSU, like right?
1: Yeah.
0: LSU. Yeah, very fast, good size, can make contested catches. Um, there were some times on tape where you just you're blown away by how quickly he can separate from people. So I think he's gonna run faster than Marvin Harrison Jr. And I think uh when it's all said and done, there's gonna be a discussion about how the 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 top two wide receivers top three wide receivers shake out it's also you know those top three wide receivers are all very very talented
1: is Roman Dunze the third one for you
0: yeah Roma Dunze is the third one and and I think he's going to run faster than sometime he plays on tape I think sometimes he coasts because he knows that he can beat people with jump balls and contested catches and it's almost like he welcomes the challenge uh, mm-hmm. but the NFL you can't play like that you've got to You know, you got to go get open. You got to separate things like that. So, uh, I think Roma Dunze at the at the combine, you're going to see a different side of him, and and I do think he's eventually going to become the probably the third receiver off the board. Unless, like I have it on my mock, Arizona sees him as another DeAndre Hopkins or Larry Fitzgerald, and and takes him at number four to pair with. You know, uh, let's say Marvin Harrison went third. You know, he might be the second wide receiver off the board to pair him with a smaller. Quarterback and Kyler Murray, who needs someone who who is a big target who can win contested catches.
1: The Patriots haven't been the best at drafting wide receivers uh, <laughs> over time. How, is the de- is the draft deep in wide receiver talent? I mean, typically it is, and or in recent years it has been. I mean, if say they don't take Marvin Harrison, can they get you know some good? talent whether it's a second or third round
0: pick from absolutely the- okay yeah absolutely guys like lad mcconkey and potentially roman wilson i think are two that stood out at the senior bowl is a guy named javon baker from central florida who is another talented uh wide receiver yeah I, th- I think wide receivers can be found outside of the first round without question. i mean historically we see that so the green bay packers made a hit you know have historically <laughs> succeeded outside of the first round so yeah I think uh, the second and and potentially into the third you can still find starting receivers.
1: Two other positions I'll ask you about one being offensive tackle another significant need and tight end based on the fact that uh, all three of their starters uh, are free agents how deep are those two classes?
0: Tight end's not very deep last year was the deepest tight end draft that I've seen in I mean, since I've been doing this at NFL.com back in 14. So I'd never seen a tight end draft like that. It was, it was awesome. This year is not going to be the case this year. It's a little lighter from a tight end standpoint. You may have to, you know, you may have to, to swing at that position earlier. If you really, really want to find a tight end that has uh starting potential early on as far as tackle tackles, a very good, it's a very deep tackle draft and especially in the first round and, and really, the top, probably top fifty to sixty picks, you've got some good depth at the at the tackle position. So, you know, most of the times you typically want to find tackles inside the first two rounds, since those are that that position gets picked over pretty quickly. But, um, and that's and that's going to be the case again this year. But there are probably a few more tackles to choose from this year than we've seen in the last few years.
1: There was one report recently uh, that suggested. Uh, suggested the patriots would actually be open to taking joe alt at number 3 but again i'm just curious if they you know is he a generational talent or can they get a really good tackle say in the second round if they don't choose in the first
0: well, I mean, it's deep enough that I think you can trade back and still get a really good tackle depending on how you have it stacked. I mean, the Patriots are in a mode right now where you've got to add picks if possible and, and draft more players and really replenish replenish and, and kind of do things the Gerard Mayo way. And we, we time will tell how much different that's gonna be than Bill Belichick, but I know Elliot Wolf will do things differently in terms of personnel evaluations, I think. So I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, maybe clever usage of, of of trade back, trade up type stuff to go target some players. But uh, Joe Alt, to me, no, not worth the third pick. I don't think any tackle in this draft is is worth the third pick. I don't think there's anyone that is just exceedingly special. Um, there's some good talent and there's some starting talent, but at the third pick, that seems high. I mean, I, I think Nate Solder is actually a really good comp for mm-hmm. Joe Alt. That's the same kind of player as Nate Solder.
1: They and they got him down at 17, I believe, Uh uh, that year. The Patriots seem to, you know, didn't really replace James White, you know, as that trademark third down back. I mean, they've had a history of great third down back types, Kevin Falk, and so on and so forth. Is there somebody that fits that profile in this draft?
0: Um, yeah they're actually well actually it's funny you say that there's a guy who uh out of new hampshire who everyone is comping to to danny woodhead i named tyler loud dylan lowby from new hampshire who is a really really good pass catcher i mean he's he's not the biggest guy well he's he's well built he's 210 he's a little bit shorter at about five foot nine but he is an Excellent, excellent route runner and pass catcher Um, has good speed, you know, really kind of in the Kevin Falk mold, uh, mold if I, if I'm thinking back on it. So yeah, I think he's one really, really intriguing player that you could get maybe in the fifth round that might be available, maybe late fourth, but into the fifth round, uh, who could, who could really be that, that dual threat type of player. I mean, more than, more than ever, we're seeing more and more running backs that, that, are coming into the league with pass catching talent, but he's one that really stands out because he spent so much time on the craft of route running and things like that. And so, um and because he's, he's comped to a former Patriot and Danny Woodhead, uh, it kind of is a natural fit for me to, and he's from New Hampshire, kind of comes up, you know, as a natural fit with what you're talking about.
1: And he would be a later round.
0: Yeah. He'd be day three. He'd be a day three player, but that's a great example of somebody who can, you know, potentially really help your team. And it's outside of the sexy, you know, first or second round. There's, there's guys like that all the time that end up becoming uh, impact players for teams. And you just have to do a good job of evaluating the talent and, and developing who you draft.
1: Perfect. Uh, two final questions. Would it surprise you if the Patriots moved out or traded down just to gain assets because they need so ma- so many?
0: No, no, and I'll tell you why. If they don't love a quarterback, if they don't love the third quarterback in the draft, then it's a choice between going with Marvin Harrison. Uh, I'm saying Marvin Harrison. They could have Malik Neighbors graded higher. I don't know, but it would be a choice between taking uh, the best player on the board other than quarterback there, and that player may very well be the best player on your board, period. So that could be the case, or what you do is you say, okay, if there's a great if there's a great offer because somebody wants to come get a quarterback, which I think is entirely possible in this year's draft, then you move back, you trade back. And I'm presuming that move back is not going to be all that far because the top 10 teams usually need quarterbacks. So you may not have to, to move all that far. Maybe the Giants would come up and, and make a trade and flip-flop three and six. I mean, I would absolutely consider doing that because – you have a chance to still get a really good football player at number six. With um, you know, I had a, I talked to a GM the other day. that thinks that you got a chance to see Pro Bowlers all the way up to the the top twelve or thirteen picks. There could be future Pro Bowlers. So if that's the scenario, why not add another pick? You know, maybe a future first the year after, maybe uh, a second in this year's draft and a fifth in this year's draft to go along with the flip flop into the first spots. But yeah, I, I think trading back is absolutely something that could be on the radar for the Patriots if they don't have the third quarterback graded as someone that they believe can can lead them to a championship type quarterback.
1: Yeah, and, and you think that's in Elliott's purview or his makeup to be open to all that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, I think I think it's I think Elliot Wolf is going to be a breath of fresh air for Patriots fans because you know Belichick for as great as he was. I think at some point he was just too, the circle was just too tight. And I don't think you took enough input in from other, from other places. Um, The autocracy became an issue because you didn't have, I don't think there was a collision of, of ideas that, that really demanded arguments and, and, and well thought out challenges in the draft room. And when you don't have that, when you don't have a healthy dosage of, 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 of combat in there to fight for players and go watch tape together and stuff like that. You really miss out. It's just, you get stuck in a one, in a one man show. And I think that's what happened is, is he didn't have a great feel for the, for the, you know, he he was famously would take picks and players wherever he wanted to, and he didn't care about everyone else. Well, I think the best way to run a draft is to have a feel for where these guys could go and maneuver around with an understanding of where players are potentially slotted, because that gives you the best chance to, I think, put the the best draft together. And Elliot Wolf is a guy who has his, you know, I, th- I think he's a guy who is going to have a feel for what the rest of the league may do, which is something that I think has been missing from Bill, belt not, not to mention just didn't evaluate great down the, over the last several years, but, Having a feel for how the draft may fall, there's nothing wrong with that, because it gives you a chance to move up and down drafts and 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 maybe pick better players, frankly, than than what we've seen from New England over the last few years.
1: Yeah, we can give you chapter and verse of players that we thought were reachers. You know, Cole Strange oh, yeah. in the first round, Tyquan Thornton in the second round. It's like who who was clamoring after these guys in those spots? You know, yeah, just, exactly,
0: and that's. And that's it. If you wanted Taquan Thornton, you could have gotten him in the third round.
1: Yeah. Uh, So yeah, we we of course, but it was always like, well, Belichick is smarter than everybody else, but sometimes sometimes he he wasn't.
0: Until he wasn't. Yeah, (laughs) he was until he wasn't.
1: (laughs) My final question just has to do with the Senior Bowl, and I know the the practices are uh, you know are a big deal, or you know maybe not a big deal in terms of an overall body of work but you know it's the the, what they see before the combine and with players skipping out of the senior bowl is the game going to be even relevant or viable in the future
0: well yeah i mean it's uh it needs to be because jim Nagy, is doing a great job over there he is the ticket, the ticket sales and things like that. I mean, there's a lot that goes into sponsorship that includes not just the practices and the social events, but also the game and the broadcast. And so I think that is a concern is, is, I think he does have a concern. I mean, the practice, look, the senior bowl is extremely viable. The practices are the most important thing. The game is, is frankly secondary, but I do think that's a concern for Jim moving forward is is making sure he has enough players to stick around for the game, especially the ones who perform well. But well, a lot of times, those players bail out because if not, you know we're we're going to end up seeing glorified scrimmage uh, on a on a Thursday or Friday. That uh, you know, I frankly, I don't actually, I don't know what he would do. So yeah. I'm not sure how it would be handled because the practices are invaluable, but the game is part of it that has financial considerations. Um, tied to it that is important for the people who run that event, but they're not as important, obviously, for NFL teams and evaluators. Yeah.
1: They might have to invite more players, uh, uh, you know, just to <laughs> make sure. Well, they, they
0: have- I mean, listen, they do. And the number was extremely high and guys pulled out. He's he's constantly recycling. There's new players I have to write up, new players, new players, new players. As soon as someone gets pulled out, as someone someone sits out the next day, He's got someone new flying in to be part of the game, so uh, they do a really good job of keeping those players on standby. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be a challenge to to keep players there and continue playing. But it's it's actually very necessary from a financial standpoint. Not as necessary for those of us who just want to see the guys compete against each other in practice.
1: Well, Lance, I, I thank you for your time and your expertise. Curtis on the draft. I, as I said at the outset, uh, Patriots fans have a keen interest this year. They haven't uh, had a number three pick in, you know, a long, long time. And they're hoping that Elliott and Gerard Mayo and, and the new regime uh, can turn things around. So we'll have to see how it goes. But thanks again, Lance.
0: Okay, thanks for having me. This has been Ion Foxborough, brought to you by Mass Live.